it's okay for us to gripe a lot because most of the psalms are about lament. I'll lament. And I'm going to pick one of those psalms today. It, I, I picked this psalm because it's pretty manageable. It's only six verses. It's got three sets of two verses that will walk us through understanding lament. And uh, it's Psalm 13. Now, that's not because tomorrow is Halloween, 13, but this is just Psalm 13. It's a powerful psalm, six verses. And I want to start by, by reading the first verse and the last verse. This is very typical of Psalms of Lament. The first verse, O Lord, how long will you forget me? That's a wonderful way to start a prayer meeting. Like forever? And how long will you look the other way? And how many times have I felt that? So that's how the Psalm of a Lament starts. Here's how it finishes. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Uh, what? I thought you just said God forgot your name and lost your address and maybe forever. And there's no sign of God's intervention anywhere in this psalm. But it goes from verse 1 all the way to verse 6. And the question is, how do we get from there to here? How do we do this? This is, this, this is a pathway. This is the pathway of lament. The pathway of lament, which is an important one for us. Because sometimes we feel guilty when it comes to lament. Sometimes we feel it's pure unbelief. But look at how it all begins to work together. First of all, in a wonderful article released just two weeks ago, Sandra McCracken, the article's Lament is More Than a Country Song. I like that title. A number of articles and books, she writes, have been written in recent years, rediscovering the value of lament. Still, we don't always understand it well. Lament is not a country song or a sentimental mood. And as Johnny Cash's song taught me, uh, lament is not always a slow song. Lament is, however, in its simplest form, pouring our hearts out to God. And in doing so, we actually sensitize and strengthen our hearts. She'll go on to say, you know, it's kind of, you know, intuitively want to lean away from pain. It's counterintuitive to lean into it. But when we lean into pain, when, when, we, when we don't live in denial of the brokenness uh, all around us and the brokenness even inside of us, somehow we find the heart of God and we begin to watch him restore and heal. Well, here's, here's David's lament. Uh, we just read the first verse. It's really the first two verses Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? I've been praying and praying for a long time, and you don't seem to answer. Second verse, how long must I struggle? And then he uses pain words. How long must I struggle with anguish in my heart and sorrow in my heart every day? And how long will my enemy have the upper hand. So this is, this is a lamenting prayer. Doesn't have a lot of faith in it, although it will assume something that's immovable. But it's like, God, where are you? Why don't you remember me? Are you, you going to ignore me forever? And what about our enemy? I mean, what are you going to do about the fact that they seem like they're winning and we're losing? 
so, so here you actually find three elements, the three elements of lament. First of all, honesty. And we can af- it can be safe to be honest with God. I mean, he's not sacrilegious here. He's not blasphemous. He's not irre- irre- um, irreverent. But he, he still is honest. You say, God, it seems like you've forgotten me, and we look like fools in the eyes of our enemies, and, and I'm really hurting. So, first of all, he's honest about what's really going on. I mean, God's already read your mail, right? I mean, it's not like you're going to surprise the God of heaven and earth if you tell him how you really feel. It's not, oh, I didn't know that. No, 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 God's not going to do that. But he can't work with what we pretend to be. He can only work with who we really are. And he welcomes us to come and be honest. And then secondly, you see protest in lament. And, 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 and this is it. Like, like. <laughs> Like there's a one one word sentence in verse one, like forever, like like God, God, you gonna ignore me like forever? And and what about our enemies? What are you gonna do about them? And so part of lament always involves protest. And then lastly, grief. So my I struggle with anguish in my soul, and there's sorrow in my heart every day. So lament isn't pretty. But the question is, where do we go with this? Where do we go with this? If you uh, look in your Bible, perhaps under Psalm 13, it will say, for the director of music. So David actually, actually wrote these lyrics so that Israel could sing them. Wow, what a worship service that would be. But the fact is, lament goes somewhere. And David will next remind us that we need to let lament express itself in yearning prayer. Yearning prayer. We're still in pain. We still don't see the answer. That's why we're yearning. But it becomes yearning prayer. So, the next two verses, verses 3 and 4. Turn and answer me. This is like a prayer request. Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes. Because there's a lot at stake here. Either you restore the sparkle to my eyes or I'm going to die. I don't think I'll make it. But it's a prayer request. It's a yearning. Oh God, to you just bring hope and life to me again. And, and Lord, and, and regarding those enemies, don't let them gloat saying, aha, we got them. We defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall, Lord. So, so this is more than just griping or complaining. This now is praying. This, but but it's, it's a yearning prayer. Michael Card wrote a book, A Sacred Sorrow. I actually put off reading it for a while because uh, I didn't want to be too depressed. But I found it unusually inspiring. And it's about lament. And he writes this. An important movement we see in biblical lament is the, listen, the exhausting of the self against God and the eventual turning back to him. In faith, yes, driven by guilt, fear, doubt, frustration, or even anger, but in faith I cry out to God and I give voice to my hurt, my complaint, and all the black bitterness I hold against my enemy. I give voice to all of this, yes. And then he says, which is the turning point in verses 3 or 4 of Psalm 13. At some 
predictable point in the lament, a turn is made. The self, exhausted of its emotional energy, seems to collapse into the presence of the one who is there, seen or unseen, all along. So we come to the end of ourselves and we collapse into his presence. And you can gripe to your grave, you can dig a pit of depression, but there's, there is an expression of lament where you turn that pain into a yearning for God. And uh, we kind of exhaust ourselves against God, Card says. Yet, yet it feels a little like, well, isn't that just a lot of unbelief? Isn't that just a lot of depression? But, but look what he says next. Far from denying the existence of God, the lament of faith cries out on the basis of an appeal to the living God's loving kindness in spite of the fact that the present conditions would suggest otherwise. So the present conditions don't seem to indicate that God's a loving, kind, lovingly kind God. But lament assumes that that's the unquestioned foundation of it. Because how could you protest if, uh, if he wasn't kind and loving in the first place? If you're an atheist, there's no reason things should be any better than they are. There's no reason you should protest against anything being bad. You're just a cosmic accident, and who knows, things might get worse uh, for you, but it doesn't matter. Nobody cares because you're a bunch of chemical reactions on two legs that's here by random chance. But if you believe there is a God, then you've got to struggle with, are you good, God? And if he is good, then that becomes the ground for my protest against all the things that don't seem to match up to his goodness. So let's read that, that last part of his quote one more time. Far from denying the existence of God, the lament of faith cries out on the basis of an appeal to the living God's loving kindness, in spite of the fact that the present conditions would suggest outlaw otherwise. I think I, I first experienced like raw lament when I was uh, 21 years old. Now some of you have heard this story several times because it's the reason I'm here doing what I'm doing. I tried very hard to be an engineer. I was a senior uh, at the University of Minnesota studying engineering, decided to stay for graduate school for a few years. And uh, I was also leading a little Bible study. It actually was, I recognize Dave Gable being here, and we've got the present directors of Chi Alpha here today, the, um, and uh, we, I'm grateful for the Sums of God Outreach to Secular University campuses, and it changed the direction of my life. And I transferred to the University of Minnesota as a junior and inherited this Chi Alpha group where all the leaders were, 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 were leaving, and um, uh, kind of by default became the student leader of it. And from the end of my junior year to the end of my senior year in undergraduate school, I shrunk it from 12 down to three, three of us, me and two others. I mean, my calling into engineering was pretty confirmed by that point. The first thing I ever tried to lead failed. So one of the two other guys, just before I got my bachelor's degree, one of the two other guys who was coming to our little Kyle for group sat in my dorm room one Thursday afternoon and we were just hanging out and talking, and he looked at me, Steve looked at me and said, maybe we should pray and fast. It's kind of like that, that, you know, when all else fails, pray. But it wasn't like that. I don't know how he intended it, but I for years have struggled how to describe what happened in, my, in me the next three months. It was like, sometimes I say it's like in that moment when Steve said that, 
It's like God took my heart in his hands and he started to squeeze it. Or, or the other way I would best describe it probably, even though I'd served Jesus for many years, as a 21-year-old kid, I became desperately hungry for God. All Steve said was maybe we should pray and fast. And I became desperately hungry for God. It was like a desperation in me. I became so hungry for him that it was the one time in my life I could fast. I'd, fa- I'd not eat food for three days in a row. Just, and I didn't even want to eat food. And yes, it was dorm food, but I still didn't want to eat it because I was so hungry for God. It was just like three, for three months. It was so intense. And it still marks part of my spirituality now, 40-some years later. And, uh, but it wasn't happy praying. It was a deep lamenting prayer that God began to take me into. Because as some of you have heard me say, um, sometimes I didn't know how to pray. My, my roommate was a non-Christian in the dormitory, so I, he didn't get me into me doing this in front of him. But I, I found a little office somewhere where I could go. Sometimes I feel driven to pray between classes. Sometimes it'd be late at nights. And it had a, it had a desk and a carpet, no other furniture not even a chair. And so I just lie on my face on that carpet and I pray. I was a complete failure. I was broken inside. Plus, we are on a campus of 45,000 students and there were only three of us. We were the only Pentecostal ministry on that campus. I just talk about, talk about feeling like your enemies are just laughing at you and they've won and, 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 and just being overwhelmed with my own failure as a leader and having no clue. I didn't even know how to pray us out of this because I didn't even know what to ask God to do to get us out of this. And it was, it was deep, deep lament. It was like, like, God, where are you? I mean, are you going to keep ignoring us forever? It was just deep and heart-moving to the point where all I could do Sometimes for two hours, all I could do, as strange as this sounds, all I could do was lie in my face and groan. It wasn't, oh, Jesus, hallelujah for the victory. Hallelujah for what you're going to do on this. No, that's not where it started. It just started, just groaning. Now, Paul says sometimes we don't know how to pray. He says this in Romans 8. But the Spirit prays through us with rejoicing. (laughs) The Spirit prays through us with groaning, just And it's the groan of God's heart. And we come out of historic, our church out of a historic Pentecostal tradition. And I used to grow up hearing some of the old saints that I went to church with talk about travailing in the spirit. I, I watched my wife twice give birth to go through the, the travail, the labor pains of bringing two daughters into the world. And and, and, and they would, the old saints would talk about travailing in the spirit until they, quote, unquote, broke through. Now, I believe in prayer lists. I believe in calling out my friends. Say, would you disagree with me in prayer on this? But there is a kind of prayer that is a deep groaning of the spirit. And it's the spirit, Paul says, praying through us. This is the spirit of God actually lamenting through us in prayer, in this yearning prayer. Sometimes I would hear stories of people say, yeah, I was praying for my non-Christian friend. And I just started to mm, just 
just to travail for them spiritually. And this is more than a five-second prayer request. This is, I just began, and they would say sometimes to me when I was growing up, you know, it was like I almost felt their lostness myself. And then I, until I prayed, till I felt like I broke through and God had taken out of my hands and into his hands. But it, but it starts with a lamenting prayer. And what I rarely share is the verse that God gave me um, during that time. And we'll just jump out of Psalm 13 and into Psalm 63. In verse 1, this became for three months all I could pray. And thank God for the Psalms, especially the Psalms of Lament. This gave my heart language. I would lie on my face. I'd open my little Bible. It was just a little one with small print. And I'd go to this verse, and it would say, God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. I felt like everything inside of me was rolling over. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. This this just yearning. God, I'm starving for you. I'm starving for you. Because the, God, you're going to forget me forever, and what about our enemies? It, it, it has to eventually turn. That pain has to become a pathway for us to begin to yearn for what could be different. And to yearn, just to hunger for God, even if you don't know what different looks like, just to hunger for God. And this became the language of my soul. I mean, after about three months of that, the Lord did give me courage to pray one other prayer. And that was, Lord, there's only three of us on this campus of 45,000 students. We're the only Pentecostal ministry. There's only three of us. You can do better than that. <laughs> but that only seemed to come after just, mm. I mean, it's okay just to be broke, just to be hungry. If, if sometimes in your prayer life, all you need to do, know to do is just to groan. It, it's a powerful thing. God meets us there. And nothing happened overnight, but a year and a half later, we'd grown back to up to 12 by that point. And a year and a half later, all of a sudden, 65 students came. Uh, they started coming back. Soon it was 100 of us, and that's how I backed into what I'm doing today instead of engineering. And God did something supernatural I can't explain today. But when I was 21 years old, he ruined my heart with lament. And it wasn't fun. It wasn't happy, but I felt the groan of God. And don't, don't just start being self-condemning to say, I, I just feel like groaning, you know? I, you know? And the devil says, well, you see, you're not standing in faith. You see, you're full of unbelief. You see, you're just full of doubt. No, 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 no. That's a very one-dimensional way of looking how, at how God bursts things through our lives. So let's read it one more time, verses 3 and 4, back to Psalm 13. Turn and answer me, O my God. This is his yearning prayer. This is lament expressing himself in yearning prayer. Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we've defeated him. And don't let them rejoice at my downfall. And then we get to the last two verses of the psalm, where... Lament resolves itself. We first have to let lament express itself in yearning prayer. But then lament resolves itself in praise-filled trust. As I mentioned earlier, there's no indication that anything's changed. There's no record of 
You know, so God did this and this, and therefore I prayed this as a result. No. He just says, but. <laughs> Lord, our enemies think they're winning and we're losing. But. I trust in your unfailing love. There's something incredibly stubborn about faith. I just trust in your unfailing love. You stake out your ground. I trust in your unfailing love. Because what remains unquestioned, we can protest against situations the way they are because he is a lovingly kind God. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing, I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Now, honestly, when I was just feeling like such a failure and I was overwhelmed with everything in my 21-year-old heart, I didn't feel like singing. But I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. I'm very aware as a pastor that you don't feel like singing the songs we sing on Sunday mornings. Like how we started today with our children. Lord, anything is possible. Anything's possible. And I'm going to start dancing, we sang. Because anything's possible. And it's quite possible that's the last thing you feel like singing. Because it doesn't feel true. Sometimes we just come in and say, Lord, you're our victory. And you're our healer. Yeah, but I've been prayed for a hundred times. I'm still not healed. And so sometimes we even think, I'm not going to sing those songs because I feel like I'm singing a lie. I want to say to you, you're no more singing a lie than David was singing here. Where he still like, felt like God was gonna, had, had turned his face from him. But he still says, but I will sing because this hasn't changed about you. You are good to me. You are good to me. And so we sing. We we. we we even in our songs, we come and declare in defiance of despair, we declare the hope of the Lord. Listen, despair is not our definer. Hope is. Our pain is not our definer. His healing capacity is. And his activity in our world is. Whether I feel like he's including me in it this past week or not. This is the reference point. I will sing to you because he you are good to me. There's a song I like to listen to recorded a number, about 10 years ago by Tamala Mann. And uh, it's, it's a lament song that brings us to the throne room of God. And it, she simply sings, take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. My heart, she sings, is torn in pieces. It's like my offering. So take me to the king. Truth is, I'm tired. Options are few. I'm trying to pray, but where are you? And I'm all churched out. I'm hurt and abused. And I can't fake, so what's left to do? Now, I'm not sure I'd want to sing those lyrics when I come to church, but truth is, I'm weak. No strength to fight. No tears to cry, even if I tried. But still, my soul refuses to die. One touch will change my life. Take me to the king. Lay me at the throne. Leave me there alone to gaze upon your glory and sing to you this song. Sometimes I listen to this song with tears in my eyes. She goes on and says, truth is, 
It's time to stop playing these games. We need a word for the people's pain. So, Lord, speak right now. Let it fall like rain. Let your healing come and lay me at the throne and leave me there alone to gaze upon your glory and sing to you this song. Take me to the king. Just as we close, back to Sandra McCracken. Heartbreak may sell country music, but biblical lament is more than self-expression. God is close. God's close to the brokenhearted. That's what we're going to celebrate in a few minutes as we take communion. He's close to the brokenhearted, and he has nothing to sell. Jesus has accounted for every loss. He's already accounted for every loss, even those we have yet to experience. And he walks with us in the valley of the shadow, not just the uplands of the light, but the valley of the shadow. And although we lament, we see now the darkness is passing and the true light is already breaking in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me just for a few moments?